Welcome to Rise Up For You, a podcast focused on helping women get to the next step in life professionally and personally. Through our six pillars, relationships, investing, self-worth, career, love, and health, we focus on the whole woman. With interviews from global experts, teachers, authors, and more, we provide you with real strategy and tips that you can start implementing today in your career, relationships, and so much more. We are all about educating and empowering you to become your best self. And now your host, Natalina. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rise Up Free podcast. This is your host, Natalina. Thanks for joining us today. I'm super excited. We're going to be speaking with Rennie Gabriel on how to spend money to create wealth. Rennie is an expert in financial management and money coming from the LA area, and he's going to debunk three myths about money and debt that are all wrong. We're going to talk about the first thing that you need to know about becoming debt free, how to reprogram our mind from a poor mindset to a mindset full of abundance and wealth, and three secrets of the wealthy and how they spend their money to become rich. This is a very educational and invaluable conversation that I have with Rennie. He does the majority of the talking because I personally wanted to soak up as much information as possible for you guys and for our community. So I definitely think you'll enjoy this episode. But before we jump in, I do want to remind you guys that we have our Empowered Women Rise annual conference happening this November 3rd, 2018. The lineup is impeccable. If you haven't had a chance yet, please head over to our website, riseupforyou.com forward slash Empowered Women Rise Conference. We have speakers that have been honored and recognized by the White House, the UK Parliament, seen on CNN. NBC, Bloomberg, Fox News, you name it. With the following of over 3 million social media followers, our lineup is here to empower you, inspire leadership, and help you to become the influencer that you're meant to be as a professional woman. It's definitely a conference you do not want to miss. So if you're in the West Coast side of the U.S., then you definitely want to grab your ticket and come on over. And if you're not on the West side of the U.S. and you feel like taking a vacation, this is a perfect opportunity and time. It's in beautiful Newport Beach area of California. The weather is great. And of course, you get a full day of education, empowerment, and connecting with incredible influencers from around the world. So again, you can go to riseofyou.com forward slash Empowered Women Rise Conference to learn more and purchase your tickets. We're still having an early bird price right now, so jump on that before it's too late. No need to pay extra for a ticket when you can get a discount. So as promised too, let's jump into our episode with Rennie Gabriel. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Rennie, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Rise Up For You podcast. It's such an honor to have you on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Neda. I always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guests. Go ahead and tell us about yourself and all the great work that you're doing in your own words. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm very blessed to be in a situation now where I do not have to work for a living. And that allows me to donate 100% of the profits from the work that I do uh, in supporting other people and how to create wealth. I get to donate 100% of my profits to a charity. And the charity is called Shelter to Soldier, uh, where dogs are rescued from high-kill environments or the pound. And if they have the right temperament and size, they're trained as service animals 
for our soldiers who've come back with post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injuries. And because um, the Veterans Administration is not really providing the services to the returning veterans that they're committing suicide at the rate of almost one an hour. Um, and as far as I know, not one service member who's received their dog has committed suicide. Uh, therefore, this charity is saving two lives at a time. So I'm, I'm just very blessed to donate 100% of my profits now uh, to that charity. So, um, you know, that's where I am now. Where I have been um, is struggling over money most of my adult life. Um, I had a difficult time making enough money to take care of my family. Uh, along the way, I went broke three times from uh, two divorces and a business failure. And by the time I was 50, I was flat broke and had to start all over again from square one. So to go from that point at age 50 to a place where our family's net worth is in the top 1% of Americans, I think is quite a blessing. Okay, so let's talk about this <laughs> because it's obviously very enticing and uh, right now you're living a life full of service, which is amazing. And I think that many of us are wanting to build a life of purpose and service and helping others and giving back. And so many of us are unfortunately in a situation where we believe uh, that financially we're not in that place yet and we can't do that. And um, as you know, the new American dream is to create financial freedom. It's no, re no longer really about buying that home, but to create a space where you can do whatever you want um, because you have the means to do it. So I would love to talk with you a little bit about, I know you're going to share some great advice in regards to handling your money today, but before we jump into that, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about how this journey happened for you. So how did you go from, you know, struggling financially to now being in the 1% of Americans' wealth? And what I mean by that is what changed for you? What did that journey look like in so many words? Um, I would say that... Um it was probably based on my own struggles. And, and first, I would actually want to acknowledge you for creating the Rise Up uh, community because uh, you are providing the kind of service uh, to women around the world that I talk about. So I want to acknowledge you for that before we go too much farther. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I, I guess it, it really deals with where I am now is based on my own struggles to handle money effectively. The saddest part is even with all the education I had from being a chartered life underwriter or certified financial planner, I was still not taught in any of those credentials that I got how to handle money on a personal level, how to do a personal budget. And it's even more frightening when I started talking to certified public accountants and asked where in their formal studies did they learn how to do a personal budget so they could teach their clients. And none of them learned it either. I mean, it's frightening that the information is not out there for everyone and taught formally in grade school or high school. So, you know, I just dug and dug and tried to find out how to do what needed to be done. And one of the first things I ran across was that wealthy people had a different attitude than I had. 
it wasn't just about knowledge, but it was about uh, how they treated themselves. Um, you know, and you mentioned we're going to talk about the three secrets to the wealthy, but when I discovered those secrets, uh, that's when life really started to turn around. You know, and, and that's so important. And I, I want to ask you, and, and this maybe this is conspiracy theory, but do you feel like sometimes we're meant to stay ignorant in regards to finances? Sometimes I feel like the jargon is so overcomplicated or, um, you know, when we try to ask people or take classes, it's never really the information that we need. Do you think that's done strategically or is that conspiracy mindset? <laughs> um, well, I would say that it's, sort of like neither um, intentional well maybe it's intentional on the part of banks to take advantage of people who know nothing about money and enslave them from an early age mm -hmm. with the offers of credit card credit cards I mean you know being offering them to, to high school kids and college kids uh, with no instructions on how to use them I think is absolutely intentional whether it's a conspiracy theory I don't I don't know, but I think it, it upsets me that banks profit most from people who are uneducated and unable yes. to handle effectively. Yes, yes, I, I would agree with that. And and that's why your work is so important. And, and honestly, it's one of the pillars that, unfortunately, we have the least amount of information on. Um, and we're working diligently to find more incredible experts like you that, that can help spread the word and, and knowledge about this area. I know today we were going to jump into the three myths about money and debt, and I would love to just pass that over to you so that we can soak up all that knowledge from you if, if you're okay with that. Oh, yeah, sure. That's fine. So I guess and it ties in very closely to what we were just talking about with uh, the banks taking advantage of people with their credit card issuing. Uh what people's attitude is that is completely wrong is directing their focus on getting out of debt. Now, the banks got us into the situation with uh, credit and easy loans and easy mortgages. We saw an entire financial collapse in 2008 because of this. But when people are just focusing on paying off debt, what that means is that they're not focusing on creating assets. And the point of creating assets is that's where the financial freedom comes from. That's where people have a choice of working or not working. That's where people have complete choice in their life of whether they want to travel or not travel or contribute to others or not. And Here's the analogy I would draw. Um, if someone is focusing on just paying off debt, it's like someone who's dieting, uh, as opposed to someone who is also creating assets that can generate an income. Well, that's like building muscles. Well, if you want to build muscles, you need to lift weights. If you want to create wealth and assets, you need to begin saving and investing. Dieting is not going to build muscles. And paying off debt is not going to create wealth. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still, I just stopped talking in case you said, gee, <laughs> that's, a, that's a surprise. Because, I, you know, when an accountant says you've got credit card debt at 18%, you need to focus on that. 
well, I was going to shout out a vulgar term, but that's not correct. What the individual needs to do is to begin saving and investing so they don't end up using the credit cards anymore. So they have a fund they can dip into when the car breaks down or the water heater bursts or whatever happens and not be turning to credit cards. And the basic idea of creating a spending plan or a budget or whatever you want to call it and, and understanding expenses first is the key. And treating yourself like you deserve to own some of the money you're earning is the highest priority. And the only way you can prove that you deserve to own some of that money is by taking the action and paying yourself first. And too many people think, oh, uh, paying myself first means I pay my rent first or I pay my mortgage first or I buy groceries first. No, that's not yourself. You're not the grocer. You're not the landlord. You're not the bank. Paying yourself first means you set that money aside to keep for the rest of your life. That's the money that you use to invest. That's the money that creates your financial freedom. And if you don't come first, no one else is, if you don't treat yourself like you're coming first, no one else is going to do it. So how do we, so, so that makes a lot of sense. And I think that anybody listening would understand that, okay, yes, the majority of Americans population, I believe are taking that money and just paying off debt, as you mentioned, and none of it's going to a cushion. And I think it's, I think the statistic is that only about 10% of Americans people have a thousand dollars in their savings account right now. That's the last, last thing that I look at. Please correct me if I'm wrong, because you're, you're more of the expert than I am. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I saw several years ago, it was higher than that. Uh, but that may not be the case today. Yeah. Regardless, it's the, absolutely the minority that have enough money in savings to take care of almost any emergency that could come up. Right. So the question is, is that when we talk about paying ourselves first, what does that look like? I mean, that's a large question, but what does that mean to invest? What does that mean to save? Should we be doing market research? Are we just talking about setting it aside into savings? You know, when when somebody is hearing you talk, Randy, what's the first thing they should do to start making that happen for themselves? Um, and that's the perfect question. Thank you. Because uh, too many people need or feel the need to get too sophisticated when they get started. And when I started, uh, I just opened up a separate banking account. And every time I got a check, I set aside 10% in the separate account. And there's two places it can be divided up. One is to keep for the future so it never gets spent. And the other part of it is, well, you intend to spend some of this money, whether it's a vacation or things that you haven't set the money aside for, like back-to-school clothing for the children or whatever. But the magic figure that's started people off has been 10% of what you have available from what you earn, and that's what you set aside. That concept has worked for 10,000, excuse me, 5,000 years. So when you and I are dust, that concept will still be valid and working. Okay. Um, now, an important part about that is someone might say, well, I can't set aside 10%. I won't be able to cover my bills. Fine. Then start building the muscle and set aside 1%, 2 3 5%. It's like running a marathon. No one who runs a marathon started by going 26 miles. 
They started by going as far as they could and building up. It, when I started, I, I, I made it two blocks before I was able to go 26 miles. Absolutely. And, you know, the interesting thing about that as well is, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, I can't pay that off because I have my bills. But if we really looked at our monthly expenses, we will find that a good chunk of money is going to things that aren't uh, necessarily needed or a priority. This is an exercise that I did with myself because at one point I was making great money, but I I didn't know where it was going, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) You know, you're not alone in that. I went through the same struggle. Absolutely. So I went through, and and one thing that I found instantly, that I was spending five dollars $600 a month just eating out. And more than half of the time, it was because I was paying for others too, right? Like you want to pay for others and, and kind of have that social um, you know area of your life, which is not a bad thing. We're not saying that we don't want to enjoy our time and our lives together. But you can definitely cut that down to maybe $250 a month and then taking that other $250 and putting it away. And that's something that I notice a lot with people that will say that, you know, I don't have the money to save, but they'll buy Starbucks two, three times a day, which can easily convert into a savings. You're absolutely right. And the only small adjustment to that is you set the money aside first and then you figure out how to spend what's left over. Uh, and your approach works, and it's a, and one of Uncle Sam figured this out around uh, nineteen thirteen when the income tax uh, was created. They recognized that people don't set aside money for future things. So what they established when they created the income tax structure was that when you get your paycheck, Uncle Sam has already taken away from you the taxes that they want. Right. And, and you learn to live on what's left over. Well, you, if you use that same concept and pay yourself first, you just choose an amount, whether it's $50 a week, $100 a week, $300 a month, whatever it is, you set that aside, and then you figure out what to do with what's left over. Right. Absolutely. That also works. Absolutely. And I, and I love that. That, that's great. That's the first great step. Go ahead and share with us the second one. Um, so you were asking about should it go into a bank or a savings account or whatever, and I said, yeah, that's where you start. You use the bank as a parking place for the money as you're continuing to educate yourself on where you can get a higher return than the bank. And there are all sorts of places where you get 6 8 10 12% on your money whether it's in stocks, whether it's peer-to-peer lending. I mean, there's all sorts of things available that people can learn about, but they have to build the muscle of paying themselves first, treating themselves like they matter, and that's where it starts. It almost doesn't even... I mean, they can put the money in a jar in the kitchen or under their mattress to start, but it's changing the attitude that they deserve to own some of the money and, and taking those actions. So it almost doesn't matter where it goes when you start. Um, the second thing was, uh, you're going to have to help me with this, but I think it, what we were going to talk about is how people are programmed to be poor. Yes, and how okay. to turn that off, absolutely. Okay, well, this is very subtle and, and insidious, but if you look at many Hollywood movies, 
uh, whether you look at Titanic or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or the old Jimmy Stewart movie. It's, uh, let's see, I think maybe it was called A Wonderful Life. You will notice that the rich people are portrayed as being anything from not nice to absolutely disgusting. Uh, in the Jimmy Stewart movie, um, Lionel Barrymore was the wealthy person in the town. And when Jimmy Stewart's uncle left $5,000 on the counter, it had to be deposited. Otherwise, their savings alone would collapse. The rich Lionel Barrymore in the wheelchair saw the money, took it, stole it, so he could drive the savings loan into bankruptcy. Okay? Pretty disgusting. Mm. Um, on Titanic, Mary was engaged to the wealthy person. But Jack, the poor person, was down in the bowels of the ship having a good time. They partied. They were happy. Jack and the Beanstalk. You go on and on and on with fairy tales and Hollywood movies, and they point the point to the poor person as noble and happy, and the rich person as sad, disgusting, or just not nice. Mm. So if you look at that while you're watching the movie, the messages you're getting are, People who have a lot of money aren't nice and aren't happy. Well, I don't want to be a miserable, unhappy person. Therefore, I should not strive to be rich. Right. But the reality is quite the opposite. You look at the, Mil the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You look at Warren Buffett, who, who is going to give away 99% of his wealth to charity. You look at, uh, you go back in history to Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller, uh, J.P. Morgan, these people were philanthropic by donating millions and billions of dollars to solve world problems. You can't create changes in the world when you're poor. Right. And the wealthy people are changing the world through their donations. Right, right, right. You're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thought when you look at it, but... You're right. There's a lot of things from, I think, media and society that are training us to think one way. But at the end of the day, from what I've noticed, the most successful people are using their money in a positive way. And more than often, you can't even tell that they're wealthy by the way that they dress or the way that they carry themselves. They're not out there flaunting it around. Absolutely right. I, you know, I, I mentioned that a lot of times. I mean, no one would ever recognize I'm wealthy. I mean, I'm in jeans and a Hawaiian shirt on a daily basis. <laughs> it doesn't make my wife happy. She's a little tired of seeing them. Um, you know, my, my car is, let's see, it's 2006. My car is 12 years old. Um, my motorcycle is 20-something years old. Um you know, no one would recognize me from the wealth that we've created. Hmm. But I still get to donate. I mean, I wrote a $12,000 check last month uh, to the charity from the profits of my online work. Wow. Wow. Good for you. That's incredible. Uh, that's incredible. And um, again, that's why this conversation is so important because at the end of the day, I don't think that people just want the money to have the money. I think you're right. They want to make change in the world and... Um, we understand that one of the ways to do that is through financial resources. Exactly. And one of the things that you were talking about earlier uh, in terms of, you know, how much money you spend going out, the, the track that I was in, 
I think is so common that the more money people earn, the more that they spend, and, and it doesn't matter how wealthy or how much money someone makes, they can outspend any amount of money. I've got articles from the 1990s when MC Hammer was making $33 million a year and went wow. broke. Wow. Reynolds going broke with, you know, I mean, lottery winners, 70% of whom go broke within three years of winning the lottery. It's because of this kind of mindset that they really don't understand how money works. Right. And, and that, and when that shift occurs, everything changes. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we just, we kind of touched on a little bit about how wealthy portray themselves. And I know that there's, there's a couple things that you said that the secrets of the wealthy and how they spend money to become rich. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit more? Yeah, well, let me talk about what the three secrets are and then how they spend the money. And I say that there are only three secrets. It's like a triangle. And uh, I use the acronym AFI, uh, which is not American Film Institute. <laughs> it stands for Attitudes, Forms, and Investments. There's a mindset that we've been talking about, and that's the most important. Then there are the forms that wealthy people used, which are the same forms all of us have used in one way or another if we're applying for a loan at the bank or applying for a mortgage, but they look at them different. They look for the difference between investable assets and personal use assets. And not understanding that distinction has people spend money in ways that don't generate wealth. Mm. And the third secret is investments. They are not limited. We are not limited to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds to create wealth. I've uh, been an angel investor in startup and in a couple of startup businesses. I have triple net leases. I have apartment buildings. Um, I own portions of commercial property. Uh, all sorts of things that are not limited to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So understanding that the wealthy are not limited to that just because your employer offers a smattering of stocks in your 401k plan doesn't mean that is what you're limited to either. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, so how do they spend their way to wealth? It's by setting up financial goals on where they want to go and then spending money in alignment with those goals. And I, I call it creating a spending plan, not a budget. And the reason for it is I know there's a certain amount of money I want to spend eating out. And there's less money I want to spend you know, on groceries. And so I align my spending with what will take me to my financial goals. So that's what the wealthy do in addition to spending money in areas that grow their wealth. Hmm. Spend money in areas that grow their wealth. So uh, properties... Um, yeah, additional assets, yeah. 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 Oh, you know, and getting back to some of the, one of the things we talked about earlier, focusing on paying off debt. People think they need to pay off their home mortgage. Well, we had done that, and then a couple of years later, I'm speaking to another wealthy person who happened to be the vice president of, uh, at the time, it was Bear Stearns, uh, and he had said, "Why do you have your home paid off?" You should be using that equity. And I say, well, it feels more comfortable not having that debt because I still had the old mindset. 
Hmm. And then when I looked at it, I said, you know what? We can borrow money against the house and invest it. We could borrow at 3%, and I know where we could invest it at 10%. So we literally did that. We earned 7% and turned our home, which was a personal use asset, into something that began to generate an income for us. Wow. Wow. And you're right, it's because a lot of times we're investing um, these large chunks of cash in either buying a home or uh, paying off debt when we could be taking that same amount of cash and potentially tripling it through an investment. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. So in the same way that the bank gets money from you and loans it out to someone else and makes money on that spread, well, we borrowed the money from the bank and and invested it somewhere else, and we made money on the spread. Right, right. Well, Renny, it's really been an honor speaking with you, and the information that you're sharing with us is invaluable. I will, I will need to have you back on this show because I just think that the conversation is so important, um, and specifically for all of us, but specifically with women as well, to really start to create the financial awareness and ensure that we have the knowledge when it comes to our money and, and, the, and the earnings that we have. I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview and start by asking you if there's one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on you that you would like to recommend to us. Um, I'd like to recommend just one, but I have to give you two. Okay. <laughs> give us as many as you want. Okay. So I would say uh, the first was dealing with a change in mindset, and that was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, okay. where he interviewed the wealthiest people in the country at the time in the early 20s and provided their attitudes. Um, and next to that would be the book, The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clausen, which is the concept of pay yourself first that was shown in the tablets from the city of Babylon when it was ex excavated. Uh, that was the wealthiest city state in the world 5,000 years ago. And it showed how people became wealthy mm. and that what Pay yourself first. Those two things led to all the other books I read and all the other information I found. And that mindset shift is what creates the entire transformation. Mm. So those two books. And let's talk a little bit um, about, because you've also written a book as well. So let's just take this opportunity. If you want, tell us a little bit about your book, the, uh, Wealth on Any Income. Um, yes, my book, Wealth on Any Income, is divided into two major categories. And the first is, the first third of the book is this attitude, it is this mindset. It's breaking up the things that we may have been told by others of what we can or can't accomplish in our life and recognizing they weren't experts and that what we feel about ourselves, what we determine we can do, we just need a plan on how to create that. So the first third of the book is creating that proper mindset. Hmm. And the latter two thirds is how to set up a spending plan, how to get out of debt, how to uh, create wealth, how to determine where your money is going, um, how to see the things that you don't see before. What are the investments that are available? So if I don't cover the attitude first, that information in the latter two thirds of the book is really worthless. Hmm. And that's how my book was structured. Wonderful. And what's one value that you constantly stick by that's a non-negotiable for you? That, that would be to honor my word 
from the standpoint of whether I say I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time or that I would send something to someone or I would complete some project. You know, whatever it is I said I would do is what I do. So, mm. you know, that's non-negotiable. Mm. I just have to honor my word. Wonderful. And as you know, we always like to ask the question, if you can leave the world with one final message, we call it our golden nugget. What would that golden nugget be for you? Uh, it would probably be a quote that I use over and over again with people that wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. I don't care who you're talking about. No one creates wealth by themselves. Mm. And lastly, as you know, we're the company rise up for you. When you hear that phrase, what initially comes to mind? Well, to me, it stands for rising up for yourself, understanding your value, allow who you are to shine. It's sort of like when the sun rises and shines. It does it day after day, year after year, regardless of whatever mood the sun might be in. Mm. So I just see rise up for you as standing up for yourself. I love that. Renny, again, thank you so, so much for joining us today. How do we stay in contact with you? How do we support you and, and access your resources as well? You have an incredible website. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I've got a multitude of free resources on the website, wealthonanyincome.com, and people can get a, a three-page summary of my book, including the same forms that I and other wealthy people use as well as other business building tools. And they're free by just going to wealthonanyincome.com. Rennie, thank you so much again for joining us. It truly has been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Nada. Absolutely my pleasure as well. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and pass it on to your friends and family. You know, the podcast is just one way that we reach our community members. If you go to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you will see articles written from contributors from around the world, webinars, live events for you to attend. But, you know, we also have a huge online resource center full of information that you can access absolutely free. And, you know, one of my favorite sections is the Unstoppable Confidence Toolbox that's full of practices and ways to help you build confidence so that you can overcome any doubt that's consistently getting in your way. It's actually pretty cool. I mean, there's PDFs, there's articles, there's exercises, there's so much for you to take hold of and really help you get to the next step. The cool thing is, is we have programs, trainings, and live coaching calls that are happening all year long, special for our members. So if you're looking for more and you really want to connect with like-minded women like yourself, then you definitely want to check out our membership and all of the benefits that we have to offer here at Rise Up For You. And lastly, if you haven't already, we would really love to hear from you and know how we're doing. Head over to iTunes, make sure you subscribe for the podcast if you haven't already, and let us know how we're doing. Rate us, review us, so that we can be better and rise up with you. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.